0: Yeah, so Morgan, what's been happening with you since we last uh, spoke on our last episode?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, let's see. When last we spoke, um, well, I finished my trimester in my master's program for traditional Chinese medicine. I uh, have I traveled. I did a little bit of traveling, COVID safely, of course. I was camping. I went to Sedona, which I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm. Have you heard of Sedona, Stephen? Yeah, I've I don't been know there. if it's global. Uh, of course it is. Um, yeah, it's a you know energy vortex. And I realized where I live in LA. Um, I'm I, I live in a marina. I live on a man made island, and I'm on the top floor. So I'm basically floating in mid air all the time. Mm. <laughs> and I've been wondering why I've been feeling so spacey. And I realized, oh, I need I need to ground a little bit more. So I spent a week traveling through uh, the earth, through Sedona, through the mm-hmm. Grand Canyon. We hiked up mm. and down real quick. Um, we visited a few lakes. And then I drove home and started my semester. I sold my condo in Santa Barbara, so I am now located in uh, Los Angeles exclusively. Um, Not exclusively, I still travel up to Santa Barbara a couple Mm -hmm. times a month to work with clients. Um, Yeah, and then just doing my meditation work on top of that, both for myself and the stuff that I teach um, on Insight Timer with my private clients uh, and with my business coaching clients. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? Is that a lot?
0: (laughs) No, it's good. I've been to Sedona. Uh, it's a very nice place uh, to get out in nature. I like And the Grand Canyon's good, too. But- That's a
1: good one. They, they did a good job with it.
0: <laughs> mm. How are you finding L.A.? Because I'm hearing a lot of people are moving out of L.A. because it's getting too overcrowded.
1: So um, to be honest with you, if it weren't for my master's program, it would not be my choice to be here. I um, have been traveling to L.A. for over 20 years. I used to come here all the time in college Mm. uh, to go to to go to shows, uh, concerts with my friends. And uh, yeah, there there are a lot of people here. And it's one of those towns where it's just like the tide. People come in, people go, go out. Um, it's a very transitory town. Uh, one thing that my, my friend described to me that I thought was accurate is people in L.A. really know what they want. And and that's been really true of the people that I've met so far. They're pretty clear on what they want, and it's just a matter of time before they get it. So I appreciate that sort of tenacity um, in, in a city people, but it could just be that that's the way I am. And so that's what I'm attracting mm. <laughs>
0: Like uh, Joe Rogan was saying, and uh, he's he's moved from LA to Texas because I think people are just getting fed up. I wouldn't live in LA because I've been there myself, but I, I'd avoid that place. I like uh, I like uh, more the Grand Canyon and Arizona. I think if I got to live in the United States, I'd live in Texas. That's what. What do you I'd like live. about
1: Texas?
0: It's just uh, more of a desert feel. Uh, it's out of the city. Arizona as well, more peaceful, I think.
1: Yeah, you definitely have to to travel inland um, to get away from people for the most part. But what I'm discovering about um, places like L.A. or really any any highly populated place that, you know, I've traveled through Hong Kong, which is incredibly densely populated, just a city built on top of itself several times over. Um, you know, to San Francisco, is mm-hmm. there there are pockets of sanctuaries, even even within these places where there 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 is a lot wrong with this place. you know, there there's a lot of drug use. there's a lot of homelessness. Mm-hmm. That's also just, you know, endemic of the fact that we are an overpopulated world and there aren't enough homes. We haven't built enough homes for people. So um it's it's uh, i it, it's a difficult problem, and the solution feels like it should be obvious. Like, I know in London, they they have squatters rights where if a a building, you can't just leave it empty. People can take it over if it's empty. Mm. And I'm curious how something like that would work. um, And somewhere like L.A., where there are abandoned buildings, it just brings up a lot of liability issues because America is a very litigious. Well, am I going to say it out loud? Litigious? Did Mm. I say that correctly? Place. People sue each other a lot.
0: (laughs) Mm. Look, Um, look, So. in Go Sydney, ahead. too, Morgan, there's a lot of homelessness because you look at it like a week's rent in Sydney is like $1,000 a week just for an apartment. Oh, God. It's a lot
1: of money. And how much is the minimum wage there?
0: Well, roughly $20, $20 an hour is, is a minimum wage for a permanent employee. Uh, if you're a casual, you can get 26 to 30 So, but even then, a full-time worker on their own would not cover a week's rent. It's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: well, that's kind of the problem that we're finding ourselves in terms of this this wealth divide is there are people who can't afford it, so the market just keeps driving the prices up. You know, I saw it's why I sold my condo is because someone was going to pay me a lot of money for it and I wanted the money more than I wanted the condo Mm. (laughs) Um, but it's because there is just nothing else to buy on the market right now um, because there is a severe shortage of housing so I'll tell you it's a great time to be a developer it's a great time to be in the house building business but as uh as they quoted in Arrested Development um there's, there's not, not enough land. We need more land. Uh, we're getting less land because of climate change. That's going to keep pushing people inwards. That's going to be causing, um, a a lot of war and and famine quite literally as it has already begun. Um, and so we need to like come at it from a place of solution, right? We can talk about what's wrong with the world forever and ever because kind of the whole purpose of coming to this world is to see what's wrong and to be like, what can we do to fix it? Mm. <laughs> How can I help? Um, so uh, this is where I think doing the meditation work through an app like Insight Timer is really beautiful because uh, a lot of the stuff on there is completely free. If you have access to a phone, you can get on there. Of course, there's a huge amount of privilege with even having a phone and access to Wi-Fi. But energetically, just getting that many people together to do the type of healing work um, that can can really lead to uh, a soul-fulfilled purpose is going to lead the world to a better place. It's going to lead to solutions to these huge overarching problems that are, are really global. Homelessness is a global problem. Poverty, the wealth divide, that's a global problem. Mm. So the more individual healing you can do, the more you focus on your own individual healing, the more you heal your community. And I, I think that was like kind of the biggest takeaway I would love for people uh, to leave this conversation with is like, do your work and trust, that it's going to spread beyond you. It can't help it. When you start shining brighter, everyone around you starts shining brighter. But if you just focus on all of the ills of the world, man, it's too depressing. It's too mm-hmm. sad when you think of every awful thing that's happening right now. And as an empath, I can like stretch my energy around the world and feel all of it at once. But like my responsibility then is to do the Tonglen work of to send out the peace and to send out the relief. Um, so that all energy on earth can feel that as well because there is that duality. You know, We, we, we have the contraction and we have the expansion and we lean into the expansion because that's what we're always working towards is that spiritual expansion.
0: Mm, exactly. I mean, focus on what you want to achieve and not, not on um, the bad things too is what I think as well. That's what I think you, you make yourself happier. That's why I like Insight Timer a lot too. I'm very happy for that app.
1: Yeah, so the the Buddhist might say that even to suggest that something is, is good or bad, to bring that judgment to it, that's just another round of suffering for yourself, because now you're resisting, now you're avoiding. Definitely there's a a healthy way to shift your perspective and to focus on the light filled things in the world. But you also need to stay in touch with the suffering in the world to a certain degree to build your compassion, because ultimately any work that you're going to do that's going to really fulfill your soul is going to help people. And usually it's work that helps people who are in the same situation you've been in that you've really dug yourself out of. Mm -hmm. It's in our most traumatized moments that we find our our souls work. Once we find the healing modality, Mm. (laughs) that helps it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately too because I like yoga. Uh, Have you practiced yoga in your life?
1: I have been a yoga teacher for over 12 years, Stephen. I have practiced a lot of yoga. I've had a daily yoga practice for 13 years. I love yoga. How's yoga going for you?
0: It's good. I'm trying to do like my headstand and arm balances on the wall, but uh, if I try it without it, I think I'm going to fall over, head over. So uh, I'm trying to be very mindful. I've got an app called Pocket Yoga, and I've used Down Dog Yoga as well. I use quite a few apps too.
1: So, Stephen, I'm curious. What if you try doing a headstand and then you try to fall over, like you did it on purpose, just to prove to yourself that you're not going to die?
0: I don't want to break my neck.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) the likelihood of that happening is very slim. The neck doesn't really want to break. Certainly, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but you'd have to, like, first, like, drop yourself on your head and then like, you know, fall out. Um, no, what you do is just with your hands behind you, you just think of it like a somersault. So just do a somersault first, then do the headstand, like right into the somersault. Um, so it's all about like chin to chest, tuck your tailbone in, make a little ball, do it on something soft. This is a good beach activity. Um, or, you know, just with a lot of padding, some blankies underneath you. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how you move away from the wall is you confront the fears. To prove to yourself, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> hmm. I can survive that.
0: <laughs> I'll give it a try. I mean, I think i got the strength to do it.
1: Yeah, if you can keep your belly engaged and if you move up really slowly, that's the trick to not falling over is to just move really slowly into it rather than kind of throwing your legs up because that's where your momentum is going to send you uh, ass over tea kettle, mm. as they say
0: now but yoga's good it's good find i mean i have found my own style yin yin and hatha is what i really like most it's more relaxing
1: so what's changed since you started doing your yoga practice
0: just more flexibility uh less less uh less uh muscle cramping as well been doing it since my undergraduate degree on and off just feel better more energy. So
1: when when you stop doing yoga, what's happening?
0: Just things start tightening up.
1: But, um, like, why would you stop doing it if you know it makes you feel better?
0: You know when you get busy? When you get busy I with do. your work? <laughs> and, like, all you're concentrating on is your work. Mm-hmm. Things like that. But, um, yeah, if I can do it every day, I will. I'll do some today. Well,
1: Here's the thing, though, if you do the yoga, the work still gets done. Mm. It just gets it's just easier. That's the thing about the yoga or really any meditation practice. Yoga is just great because, yeah, it makes your body feel really good. Um, Cleanses your aura. does all that good stuff. gets Mm. the blood moving. But like you do the yoga and then you do the work. You don't do the work and then you do the yoga. Right. Mm. Because because the yoga promotes the work. I'm curious if you would see anything shift in, um, not just your physical life, but your, your external life, your, your career, your relationships, your relationship to yourself, your thoughts. Um, if, if you really like made a commitment to that, to, to doing your yoga practice, like first thing every day, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, a two hour full Ashtanga practice you can do, you know, I would say a minimum of 20 minutes, but I, I recommend this to every single one of my clients. And the ones who do it, the ones who do it see major, major shifts in all avenues of their life. Because as it is said in the yoga world, practice and all is coming. Well, do you, all you have to do is do your yoga.
0: Do you find first thing in the morning, uh, you, if you try to do an Ashtanga practice, you just you just feel very, you can't do it. I can't do it as soon as I get up out of bed. I'm not as flexible, so I have to wait. Uh, later during the day, I try to do like a gentle practice too.
1: Yeah, try, try doing the gentle practice first thing in the morning. That's actually when traditionally you would want to do a yin practice when the muscles are cold, because you don't want the muscles to engage at all in the yin practice. You, you want the muscles to stay completely relaxed so that what you're stretching out uh, very gently are, are the fascia and the other connective tissues in the body. Um, And you're allowing those to get lubricated through those really, really slow, long holds. So, uh, yeah, maybe you could try that. A little Mm -hmm. 20-minute yin practice first thing in the morning. I wonder if that would change how you feel earlier, if you would start to feel more flexible sooner. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, before our episode today, I did my chakra meditation on my little app as well. Mm -hmm. Just feel better
1: yeah yeah how how's your chakra system going? well was was there any intensity to it today?
0: Not much. uh just just relaxing. uh still trying to learn about it as well.
1: Yeah, so well, let's go through it. What are your questions?
0: Well, you got seven, apparently. Uh I think there,
1: you have hundreds you have hundreds of chakras but most people work with with the spinal column which mm. yeah does have seven
0: <laughs> yeah but do you find if you if you open up your third eye you just feel a bit weird
1: um so tell me more about that what do you mean by weird
0: so if I've done a third eye meditation on on insight time with sonic yogi or any teacher I just feel I don't know a bit dreamy that's just me, Morgan.
1: So you're saying you feel a bit dreamy, which totally makes sense to me, right? Because you kind of opened up uh, that subconscious layer. So in, in these meditations, do they have you close out at all? Do they have you kind of close up your energy lines? Or do you just leave the meditation like wide open?
0: I think I've left it wide open.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important when you're working with the chakra systems to learn not Just how to open them up, but how to—it's not really closing them down because we never want to close down the chakra system. It's more about kind of um, uh, condensing them so they're really close to your body. So when you open up, especially the third eye, that's uh, connected to your pineal glands and that's your intuition. So it's kind of the radio transmitter for your your spiritual self, your highest self, the universe to feed you the the messages and the feelings in your body so that you know what to do next to fulfill your soul's purpose so when, when you open that up um, that means that you're opening up the channels to like kind of everyone's <laughs> guides depending on how sensitive you are and it can be hard to tune into the right frequency if you kind of go around your day like interacting with everyone else's you know spirit guides tuning in so that dreaminess is kind of the body's overwhelm reaction to just feeling that frequency um, for for that much time and certainly there are people who can move through this world with that intensity i am not one of them i i like to keep my chakra system pretty close to my body especially living in la uh, I, I i keep things pretty tucked in <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) moving through this populated world um but the the what you want to visualize especially with the ajna chakra is uh just that big globe of light getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it's smaller than a pea and then tucking uh right into the front center of your brain can imagine it just nestling into the folds of uh that ooey gooey brain that you've got in there um You can do some hand motions and really bringing the energy down to the low belly, the lower dantian, uh, helps to ground your energy. You can do some squats, like Mm. in your yoga practice, do like a chair pose or just literally get on the ground, especially if you can get into earth um, to help ground your energy. Uh, But yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, deliberately shutting down that session. (laughs) Mm. Anytime you open up the chakras, you want to have them at a place where it feels comfortable, where it doesn't feel weird. You want to feel more like yourself, ideally, if your chakras are shining brightly. That's where you find that beautiful balance, that homeostasis.
0: Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So much information, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's interesting that you say that because uh, every meditation teaches different and teaches it differently, too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is purely this is purely my opinion and when I say my, I'm not like me Morgan when I'm giving information like this, I'm channeling all of the knowledge that I've studied, all of the intuitive knowledge that's coming through for what you and the listeners need to hear in regards to this stuff. There are many, many different traditions and they're all super valid, but when I hear someone say they feel weird after a meditation, I'm like, "All right, we got it. We got to get something else in there." <laughs>
0: But uh no that's I don't know it's it's experience I think
1: uh it's definitely a practice yeah mm. for sure
0: but uh, other than that um what are uh, you're still doing your ma you're doing a master's are you
1: I'm getting my master's in traditional Chinese medicine so I'm learning acupuncture herbs Taoism, um, tai Chi mm-hmm. qigong all sorts of stuff
0: mm-hmm that's pretty cool.
1: I love it. I've been doing it for three years. I was commuting from Santa Barbara. It's an hour and a half drive uh, on good, good traffic days. Uh, and that was exhausting. So I will say one great thing about being in L.A. is I can ride my bike uh, to campus and back. We just started doing uh, needling. I'm actually, like, poking needles in people now, which is really terrifying and exciting. I was describing it last night as, like, People are, like, bleeding. Like, I walk out of there with bruises all over myself. Like, learning how to do this stuff is no joke. There's an intensity to it. (laughs) Mm.
0: Yeah, Um, But it is.
1: It's a really powerful medicine. I love learning about it.
0: So a master's, uh, how much work is that for you?
1: Well, if you want to quantify it by by time, um, it's going to take me about six years. The mm-hmm. minimum is three years. You have up to eight years to to do edu- to finish all of the the classes and mm-hmm. get the masters. So it's taking me six years because I've been doing it part-time, um, running my my business, blended Yoga, and commuting from Santa Barbara and living the whole rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm gearing up a little bit. Um, I'm going to be going full-time for this next year and a half to power through so I can get my license. Because once you have the master's, you still, in the state of California, can't legally needle people until you're a licensed acupuncturist. So just like when you graduate from law school, then you have to pass the bar exam. Um when I graduate from this program, I will then have to pass uh, a licensing exam in order to become a licensed acupuncturist. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be opening up maybe an acupuncture clinic. I still don't quite know what that looks like yet. I'm not, I got a couple years <laughs> to worry about it.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool to do that. Uh, you know Like, I did a degree in music. I finished in 2018. I did a bachelor's. and Doing any degree or master's is not easy.
1: It's a lot of work, you know. It's definitely something that you earn. But as my mama says, no one can take that degree away from you. Once you've done that work and earned that degree, no matter where it's from or what it's in, no one can take that that sense of effort away from you and that knowledge. I mean, you can't do something like that without learning a little something. Mm. (laughs) about the
0: world. Mm. What have you been doing with your music degree? What what kind of music are you making? Well, I'm making uh, film music that I've put on Spotify and um, all the royalty-free libraries as well. So I started my YouTube channel, started my own company. Brilliant.
1: How's it going?
0: Slowly, slowly. That's how it goes sometimes. I've only uh, just been in my first year as uh, Uh a businessman
1: okay. so tell me um because i do business coaching where where are you getting blocked
0: it's it's actually the blocks is the hardest is getting clients and getting the work and marketing yeah. the thing too that's what's been hard for me
1: okay so who's your ideal client describe them to me
0: Usually 20, 20, uh, 27 to 45-year-old male is what I write the music for. That's my target.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty big range. Tell me more about this 27 to 45-year-old male. What are their interests? Um,
0: heavy metal, because uh, I have a heavy metal influence on my stuff. Mm-hmm. Political, because some of my music videos are political as well. Uh, landscaping, too. Um I do also write some music for kids' films too as well that I've put on my YouTube channel, but that's more my target market.
1: Okay. So when when these people hire you, what are they hiring you to do? What service are you providing?
0: Uh, write music, royalty-free music, uh, if I can teach as well, uh, that sort of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you want to teach people to do?
0: Uh, be able to compose music.
1: All right, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> like,
0: tri- traditionally, not, like, with, you know, with, like, manuscript paper, mm-hmm. something what Beethoven would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So you want to teach people to handwrite and compose music. Mm. All right, so that is a very specific market. What's your, what, what? How have you been marketing this?
0: I do not know. That's
1: <gasps> You haven't been.
0: Yeah, marketing for me, uh, I'm terrible at it.
1: No, you're not. You just don't know yet. You no. just don't know how to do it. You it's, want some
0: help? It's been word of mouth, actually. So mm-hmm. it's, I've been doing it the old-fashioned way. So starting with people that I know as well, the cool. referral.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what I recommend for my clients is, is start with your biggest fans. Start with the people who know and trust you and ask them, who do you know who needs this? Once you get a few testimonials under your belt, you have a little more clarity on exactly what it is that you're offering. Because you do have to work with a few people a few times to get real clarity on, like, okay, this is exactly what the work is. Mm. Then the trick is, how would your ideal clients describe it? So that's where you do some market research to talk mm. to them to say... What was your experience working with me? How would you describe like the end result? And then you want those key words of the, the result of your work together and how they feel, especially feeling words. Um, and then you just pop that into social media like a Mad Libs game. If you want to feel blank, hire me to blank.
0: Mm.
1: Here's how you hire me.
0: Well, I won first, uh, first prize in a in the, in, the, in a songwriting competition for two thousand twenty. I got my plaque in the mail that I put up on my social media.
1: Well, congratulations! Mm-hmm. But that's all about you. Marketing is about the other person, mm. so you've got to talk about how your work is relevant to them. That's you know that gives you a little bit of validity. Certainly, it's it's nothing to sneeze that. Um, but in terms of getting people to hire you, make it about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll happen.
1: It'll happen. It can happen more quickly. There there are a few tricks to the trade. I've been doing digital marketing for a long time. It's always changing, which is what I love about it. Um, but it's there's it, definitely like there's a market for it. Whatever you're whatever you're selling, whatever you're teaching, there's someone who will pay you for it. Uh there's yeah, just a few tricks of the trade you have to learn to find those people and get them to hire you.
0: Mm. Mm. also reputation too is is the key as well
1: yes and no um, I've had people who just find me randomly from a comment I made on a Facebook group thread of like thousands of people mm-hmm. and there's no reputation there like they don't even they barely know my name they can barely see my face mm. um, and then I've had people who have, you know come to my yoga classes in person for years who hire me so it's uh, certainly, I mean, reputation is so malleable anyway. Um, I think it's yeah, more about being really clear about who your client is, less so about your your reputation. And, and you know, maybe when you're getting to like the super high levels in this cancel culture, like you you definitely don't want to be a shit person. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, reputation, yeah, it's so malleable. That's just a matter of of the beauty of language.
0: Mm, exactly. But uh, no, it wasn't easy for me to to pursue my company last year. Kind of had no choice to do it. Um, well, you always
1: have a choice. You have free will. You could have done
0: nothing. Mm. Because the amount of bosses said to me, "Why don't you go do something with music?" And like, because I always wanted to be an employee, Morgan. And trade time for money but just didn't work out. So I thought I'd give it a go.
1: Well, you're doing it. You're giving it a go. And um why do you think your bosses thought you should do work in music?
0: Because of my degree and my training in it.
1: Is Uh is that where your heart is?
0: It is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when I I finished my undergrad in 2018, I got fed up with it and I just wanted to go do something else. So I tried a few sales jobs, but, uh, you know, yeah, the money was good, but uh, just didn't really feel the passion about it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Money uh money only feels good for so long and then when all you have is money and you've sold a bit of your soul for it, it's it's not the best feeling. Um someone told me that when I was making most of my decisions based on how much money I could make. Um he said that's that's not a good reason to do something because of the money. And at the time I was like, it's the only reason. Why would I do anything mm. else? Um, I'm a Capricorn, so I, I skew in in that kind of really grounded, like, logic, money-based nature. But once I started to learn more about uh, abundance energy and, and bringing in money um, energetically and, like, letting it be easy and not having to work so hard for it, just letting it flow by having a, a soul-led purpose for it, that just completely shifted my relationship to it, where it's like, no, I don't want to make any decisions based on money. If I see something I want to do, I'm going to figure out how to afford it, whether it's, you know, buy a million dollar yacht or travel around the world. Um, Neither of those, well, buying a million dollar yacht would not serve my purposes. It's not something I would pursue, Mm. but traveling around the world certainly does. So I can figure out a way to afford it. Um, You know, whether it's through earning money through work or whether it's through trickier things like doing travel hacking to get, you know, super cheap and free flights.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, I always think of it like this. If I had a million-dollar check right now in my hand, <laughs> I'd actually I'd go straight to the real estate and just buy a house. Yeah. Straight away.
1: You know, let me, let me tell you something, Stephen. As I mentioned, I just sold my condo in Santa Barbara. I owned it for five years. Um, I made some money. I'm, I'm happy about it. If I had put my down payment that I put into that house into Bitcoin, I would have $7 million right Mm. now. So I don't know if someone gave me a million dollars, if I would go buy a house
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. just
1: in terms of an investment strategy. Um, yeah, I yeah, I'm a renter now and I'm kind of like this feels okay for right now. I could see myself buying property in the future. I you know, the dream is like the series of tiny homes where you get to bring all your best buds and everyone has, you know, a million chihuahuas and it's just a big like co-op farmstead. Mm. But yeah, there's just not enough land for that where I want to live near the ocean. So, um yeah, I'm I'm curious, what do you think home ownership is going to give you?
0: Well, to be able to own my own house forever and not have to rely on paying the rent to the landlord and it's mine, you see, that's how I see it.
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, you can't take it with you. When you attach your identity to property, you you lose a part of yourself because you don't really own anything in this world, you know, just the exchange of money and a piece of paper, a deed, which, you know, you still have to pay property taxes. There are still lots Mm. of costs involved. You have to keep it up. Um... I, where was that point going? It's kind of just flying out of my head as I'm like getting into house to do land. <laughs> mm. um, I I don't know. It completely flew out. We'll have to turn it in a different direction. Maybe mm. it'll float back in.
0: No, it's I I know all about. Uh, well, we call them land rates in Australia, and they charging you like what four thousand dollars a year just to living your own house as well. Because we got acreage where we are.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't really mm. own anything clear and outright. It can always be taken away from you. And when you die, like someone else is just going to move into that house and mm. claim that same sense of ownership. So, um, yeah, to, to there is to a certain degree, an element of freedom of like, I can paint the walls, whatever color I want. But then it's like you try to go redo your bathroom and suddenly you have to get a permit. And there are a lot of people who are going to have a say over what you can and can't do in mm. that house. Um, so it's, it's uh, depending on, on where you live, it's rare to find a place where you, you get to truly own something. In fact, I think it's impossible in this world to truly own anything uh, besides your own soul.
0: Mm. Well, look, I've always been, like like, if I could have a house facing the beach, that would be awesome. That's my dream house.
1: I mean, that's where I live. I've lived that way for the last five years. Mm. (laughs) I I agree. I have to have a house facing the beach. This is something I've realized about myself. Um, It's actually what my name means. Morgan means um, of the sea or protector of the sea. Um, So I give that to myself. But like, yeah, I can't afford to buy a beachfront property in L.A. So I'm renting one instead. Mm -hmm. I can afford that for a little while. (laughs) And that gives me the freedom to move on, you know, wherever I want to go after this, whether it's back down to Mexico or um, somewhere else in the world with a beautiful ocean.
0: Mm. Do you find, uh, are you, where are you from originally, Mexico or or the States?
1: No, I'm from Northern California.
0: Have you been to Mexico?
1: I used to live there. I lived there for three months last year. I've been there many times.
0: Is it cheaper to live in Mexico than the States?
1: I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it depends on where you go. You can spend as much money as you want anywhere in the world. But, um, yeah, but that's, a, you know, another interesting thing. Like, if you were to buy uh, land in, in Mexico, you can't really buy land in Mexico as a U.S. citizen. You you lease the land and then you can build a house mm. um, if you'd like to. So that's another, you know, example of like, well, you don't even own the land underneath you. Mm. <laughs> um. So, yeah, but you can definitely – a dollar goes a lot further in Mexico than it does uh, in in L.A. at least.
0: Mm, mm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I mean, land rates in Australia are expensive too, you know.
1: Yeah, everything's expensive. Everything I want in this world is expensive. That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to get your money mindset and your abundance energy in flow so that you can afford the things that you know you need to make your life happen um, instead of just waiting, waiting for that money to come in. And of course, I say this from a place of extreme privilege as a, a white woman who was born in America um with you know middle class parents who really helped me out and paid for my college tuition like I didn't get saddled with student loans that really freed me up to mm-hmm. save up for a down payment for a house a lot of people will never have that option so uh but there is work that you can do to free yourself from you know the bonds of your debts whether it's student loan debt mortgage debt credit card debt um and it doesn't have to be hard you don't have to work those you know $20 an hour jobs which, you know, there are people in America who are like $20 an hour. That would be incredible (laughs) in some places in America. Minimum wage is like $2 an hour if you're a waitress. Um, so, uh, You can you can shift your energy to like welcome in a a sense of abundance and it will literally result in money just surprise coming out of nowhere. But you have to have a purpose for it. Right. It can't just be like I need money so it can sit in an account. It has to be like, no, I need money so I can go to school or I need money so I can, um, you know, buy my my dog the toys that he loves or <laughs> I need money so I can give my kids what they need or I need money so I can go travel so I can learn about myself. Mm. Um, as as long as, you know, the, the intention is towards your own individual healing, uh, that will be supported energetically. If uh, you have any limiting beliefs that come into that about like, no, I have to work hard for this. you you got to work on that because that's going to create a block to that sort of energy but this is, you know, exactly the work I do with my clients. I was just talking with um one of them earlier this week, and she said, you know, the reason I hired you is because I wanted to make more money and work less. And, like, that's what she's been doing. She's been working way less. She's been making more money, and it's been an incredible journey to watch. She's an artist. She creates these beautiful individual pieces of art that are now being sold in stores um, all over Southern California, it's been so fun building it with her. And she's like, I, we had to work through her guilt of like, no, this has to be hard. Like I have to work 80 hours a week to make this work. I'm like, you can if you want to, but like you're telling me you don't want to. And then you get stuck in this spiral of like, well, now I just can't do anything because if I don't do all of it, I'm not going to do any of it. Mm. So let's break it down to like, let's just try for one hour this week and maybe next week we can do 80 hours. So what can you do Mm. for one hour this week that will help you get closer to that goal? whatever that goal is. And then it's just carving out that time, um, you know, each week and then expanding it as your energy allows for any goal that you have, whether you're trying to start a business and make money or whether you're, you know, trying to heal yourself or build your flexibility or work on your meditation and spiritual and psychic development, um, whatever goal it is that you're working towards. it, It starts with just, you know, taking that first hour just to do something, one thing to get you closer to that goal. And then you allow yourself to enjoy the journey from there because it never ends. Just like having a house, the house to do's never ends. Having a business never ends, the possibilities of things that you could be doing at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to give yourself permission to do what you can and let it be enough on a day-to-day basis. I know for me and for many of my clients, like I can't work on any one given thing for more than four hours a day max. Mm. And if I'm being honest, it's really more like an hour and a half. So, um, but like, I like to do lots of different things. So that's not like I do an hour and a half of work, and then I'm sitting in the sunshine the rest of the day, although I do do that sometimes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's like I do my hour and a half of working on my podcast, I do my hour and a half of working on my meditations, I do an hour and a half of working with a client, and then I go to class, and that's my like three hour chunk of time. And then I do an hour and a half of yoga. Um, so I'm kind of hitting all the spots that I need to hit in terms of taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, taking care of my spirit, and taking care of my external community, my sangha, my healing community, and uh, and I, I'm not burning out on any of it because I'm giving myself that space. You have to work a a 40-hour-a-week job. You have to be somewhere for eight to nine hours a day. It really just kills the spirit. It sucks you of all your energy. So you end Mm -hmm. the day and you're like, all right, I got another, you know, let's say eight hours to do what I need to do. You end up spending a lot of that time watching Netflix and drinking beer or wine at the end of the day just to, like, recover from how shitty your day was. Mm. i live lived that life. I know how awful it is. And you're just, you know, working for that dollar that's never going to really bring you the sense of fulfillment at doing soul aligned work will. Um, so how do you make this work if you do find yourself in a situation where you're, you know, the worst case scenario, you're homeless and completely broke, even if you're in tons of debt, maybe, um, you know, you, you have a home, but you're just in constant fear of losing it. You've got to shift your perspective towards abundance. And the easiest way to do that is with a very simple mantra. You just tell yourself, I am abundant. I am abundant. I am abundant all day long. And you can get juicier with it. like, I am so abundant that I get to buy organic produce today. And then you go and you buy, you know, your one organic peach that's like $5 or whatever. And it's your big treat for the day. Mm. And you start to celebrate these things in small ways until it's like, I am so abundant that I can buy the beachfront property of my dreams. And suddenly you have that $7 million that you need because you invested in Bitcoin in 2016 Mm. (laughs) to go buy that beachfront property. But it's all about breaking it down to these small, simple things, these small, simple choices that you can make every day to move you closer to your goals. Every decision that we make in this world is either going to make us feel better or it's going to make us feel worse. And mm. if you make the decisions that make you feel better, you will have more money, I guarantee it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I've had debt. I've had uh, credit card debt before. but um, I uh, uh, went to pay it off at the bank. I can tell you a funny story and they didn't want me to. And uh, I was very cranky. And I just said, no, I want to pay it and get rid of it because I was just fed up with that thing, Morgan. So that's been my story with debt. It's, but there, see, sometimes you got no choice if you need to get a mortgage, but I think that'd be considered good debt, in my opinion, if you needed a house.
1: Well, that comes back to that Buddhist perspective of like, there is no good, there is no bad, there just is. So mm. if it's debt that you're comfortable with, and it's a decision that gives you energy, and let me tell you, when I bought my first place, and even my second place, and I got that mortgage, I felt fantastic. It was great. I loved it. I was so excited. And I have no regrets about it. And mm. I'm I'm not trying to poo-poo ownership. I'm just trying to suggest perhaps it is not the best investment in terms of time, effort, and money um, for every single person on this earth. Um, But uh, you have to make the decisions that that make you feel better. You know, paying off debt definitely feels good to, like, have that mortgage off of my plate, especially since I wasn't living there anymore. I was renting it out. Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, I got to make a different decision a few years later. But I was able to give myself the option, right? So I was able to have my beachfront property. I got to have that experience. I had wonderful neighbors. And then I I got to move on to the next thing. I got to transition, as we all are doing all of the time. Mm.
0: Exactly, you know, but uh, look, it's yeah. Home ownership can be it's a, it's a very long process, a lot of paperwork too, as well, in Australia.
1: Absolutely, constant signatures. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, but other than that, um, I know noticed you 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 like the whole star signs. Are you into the, all that sort of stuff?
1: I love astrology. Um, mm. I I think it's a fascinating way of understanding people and categorizing them.
0: See, I'm a Libra. I was born in September. I never really understood the whole uh, star signs. Um, do they work?
1: Well, it depends on what you want to use them for you can I, I use them to understand people pretty quickly the same way you can use like a myers-briggs profile to understand someone pretty quickly. Um, or like an Enneagram type, like we're all just archetypes here in this human form, right? We're we're one of, you know, whether you're a Jungian and it's like 16 archetypes or in the astrology world, 12 different archetypes. Um, So you can really categorize yourself pretty well and and gain a deeper understanding of yourself and of the people around you. In terms of like prophecy, no. You can can use the energy of the universe to understand when it's going to be a good time to make certain decisions, but um, I, I I don't know enough about the you know pseudoscience of astrology to to really speak to why I, I think it doesn't work in mm. that way. But for me, yeah, it's been mostly useful as a way of just being able to understand someone pretty intimately, pretty quickly. It's it's an intuition tool.
0: See. So- Psychologists and a medical professionals like Dr. Phil would think uh, there's no real uh, medical evidence with astrology. Um, you now they they study out of a textbook, but uh, have you had contradictions with uh, psychologists and counselors on on this topic?
1: I actually once worked with a counselor who used my birth chart to work with me. And Mm. she, she was a, an MFT, a marriage and family therapist. Mm. Um, And I've had therapists who were like, of course it's bullshit. What are you talking about? Mm. So again, it comes back to like, it's just a different language for understanding the world. Of course there's no, you know, Western scientific evidence that, when Mercury goes into retrogrades that, you know, all technology goes to shit except for mm-hmm. the extreme coincidence that suddenly you're, you know, sending texts too soon and sending emails to the wrong people and your phone stops working and everything just goes a little bit crazy. Um, so it's like, if, if you want to use that language to understand when these things happen, all right, blame the planets, more power to you. If you want to, you know, just skip it and just live in the world great. Do your thing. If it's helpful for you, then yeah, you, you can use it. You can use the information just like you can use, you know, a fictional book like Harry Potter or the Bible to Mm. lead yourself to, um, you know, deeper levels of understanding about yourself. You can totally use the planets to, to better understand yourself.
0: Mm. Look, have you noticed when, when there's a full moon, you have you might struggle sleeping a bit
1: so full moon just means that starlight is being reflected onto earth more intensely um during those couple of days Mm. so just by nature of there being more light of course it's more difficult to sleep our sleep systems are so light sensitive um but it's also because there's more start more you know sunlight coming through even though it's filtered through the moon there's just more energy around so yeah full moon is definitely a time when like i was camping this last full moon i think we were um at the grand canyon for the proper full moon and it was snowing that day of all things um so it was pretty cloudy which is good for me because the full moon really affects me it gets me really riled up Mm. um but the full moon shines a light on the things that are holding us back from our goals So that's one of the reasons things get a little bit crazy around the full moon is if you're not aware that that's happening and suddenly you're just being attacked by all of your triggers, Of course, you're going to go a little crazy and do whatever it takes to escape from it if you don't have any spiritual tools to deal with that and heal that. So the trick with the full moon is to like, you know, to a certain degree, expect that, anticipate that Mm -hmm. and to just be so sweet to yourself, to really ground your energy, to work with your crystals, to work with a Reiki master or a healer, to get that energy down close to the earth and then to use the upswing of energy. So full moon time is usually when I create most of my content. I'll just suddenly, like, I can stay up all night writing, and I'll write all of my social media captions and a couple of blog posts and, like, work on a book <laughs> mm. um, in, in one upswing of the full moon. Uh, so, yeah, definitely there's there's an energy to that. And same with the new moon as well, when there's no uh, sunlight being filtered through or very, very little Um, where that's, that's the time when you want to really set a goal, you want to set an intention. Um, so, uh, that's kind of a time of of really introspective, like you, you want to sit within in the darkness of yourself in order to understand what's my next step for healing. What do I need to do next? What goals can I set for this next phase? And The interesting thing about setting these intentions is sometimes you can do it within the same cycle, but typically the intentions match up to the the next six-month cycle. So any intention that you set at the new moon in January, you're going to see come to completion, ideally towards the full moon in uh, July. Mm. So um, giving yourself a sense of patience with that as you're learning how to set these intentions is important. Although I've totally had it, I mean, just this last uh, several months as I've been setting new moon intentions of like, okay, I need to. Find an oceanfront property in la and then i just you know come into town for a couple of hours and i find it immediately and it's so easy um, that you can totally, if you're very clear on what you want, you can use the energy of the moons to make that happen because I set the intention during the full, during the new moon, I used the full moon to kind of identify my limiting beliefs. Like, I don't know how I'm going to afford it. Um, and I was like, well, I'm just going to, I figured it out. I looked at my money. I could afford it. And then I booked a trip and I came to LA and I made it happen. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, it only took me a couple hours. So that's where, yeah, you can really use the energy of the new moon and the full moon uh, to make your life uh, happen in a more natural cadence. Sometimes it feels when you're trying to make your big goals happen, like building a business, you're just like, you know, pushing a giant boulder up a hill like Sisyphus. As soon as you get to the top, it just tumbles back down. You have to start from the bottom again. So it's more about like, just skip the boulder, just walk to the top of the hill and enjoy the view. (laughs) Mm,
0: Exactly. You know, yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. Wow, I didn't know all that stuff could happen. Um, but what is the difference with a Libra star sign, in your opinion?
1: So, okay, well, here's the thing, Stephen. Um, I'm mostly only interested in my star signs, and I don't have any Libra in my chart. So um, I don't know anything about Libras. You mm-hmm. tell me. What What are you like?
0: Uh, keep to myself. That's what I am. Okay just keep to myself and uh, yeah try to work as hard as I can
1: you're an introvert mm. <laughs> okay mm-hmm. um, what kind of health problems have you had in your life?
0: health I think look I, I'm someone who's, who has uh, mild depression and anxiety and autism as well but that doesn't stop me from trying to pursue what I want to do uh it's just simple things Morgan like marketing for example like maybe I don't know I don't know why I struggle with that yet I can produce very good talented quality work but then the marketing and the following's not there it gets very hard for people to find me
1: So where do you think the disconnect is
0: I think it's uh <sighs> I don't know.
1: Well, tell me, how are you currently marketing yourself?
0: Yeah, word of mouth.
1: So you don't do any posting online?
0: I do. I do post on my social media, but, uh, you know, I've got a very small following as well. But obviously, that's going to come with time, and, you know, that's where I'm struggling. A
1: social media following doesn't come with time. Mm-hmm. A social media following comes with effort. So you can hire someone to build up your following or you're gonna have to do it yourself. You've got to be on social media to build your social media following. It doesn't just happen magically. Mm. Um, so if you if you were interested in growing your social media, what's your favorite social media channels? What do you Uh, like to use?
0: Instagram, mostly.
1: Instagram. Okay. So if you want to grow your Instagram channel, here's what you need to do. Do you use 30 hashtags for each post?
0: I'm using about 9 to 15 hashtags.
1: 30. You need 30 hashtags for every single post. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you want to leave 100 comments a day on relevant accounts Mm -hmm. that you uh, want to follow you and that you like. And they need to be authentic comments, not just, like, cool post bro, but, like, an actual response to the photo or the caption or something meaningful. Mm. It'll take about an hour, so you can do it in, like, little 10-minute chunks throughout the day. Um, but if you leave 100 comments a day and 30 hashtags, I, I will be very curious to hear how that changes your following. <laughs>
0: well, I'm using a new social media called Web Talk, right? And uh, because they're still in beta testing mode, I found I've gotten, what, 250 followers in about six months. So I found it more easier to to market my products on Web Talk than Instagram and Facebook.
1: You can definitely reach out to the newer social media channels like Clubhouse is a really popular one as well mm-hmm. where it's easier to grow a following because it's there's just not as many content creators on mm-hmm. there. The only issue with that is that they're probably not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. These things rise and fall all the time. So it's, 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 it's about putting your eggs in lots of different baskets. Mm. <laughs> so you want to spend time where you actually enjoy interacting on social media, but there is value to having, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter and the LinkedIn and, you know, all, all of them. Um, as long as you enjoy it, when you don't enjoy it, that's when you either have to outsource it, hire it out to someone else, um, mm. or, uh, or just don't do it, just skip it. But there's definitely, if if you're finding a block with marketing, I mean, I think we found the block, which is that you're just not doing it. Um, so I, I wonder, how how can we get you to start to start doing this stuff?
0: Well, on my uh, professional Instagram, I'm following uh, people like musicians as well. And so when they do comment, I will leave a comment as well saying, great post. So
1: I, I, I'm curious, though. You really want people who want you to teach them how to hand compose music mm. would, would musicians already know how to do that?
0: Not all musicians.
1: Okay. I, I would look for a mix of musicians and, and want to be musicians, people who want to learn. Mm. So I would look at people who are teaching how to, you know, play music or write music already on Instagram, f- follow their followers and comment on their followers stuff.
0: Mm. Look, I'll give it a go. That's all I can do. But at the end of the day, it's good content is what I focus on too. That's what I, you know, I mean, we can do all the SEO in the world, but if, if our content's not good, people won't, won't follow us.
1: But it's a balance because you can put all the good content out in the world and if people can't find it, then it doesn't mm. matter. <laughs> So you, you got you to gotta give equal energy to both creating good content and telling people about it.
0: I mean, you, I was talking to Jason Stevenson about YouTube and how the whole keywords and the SEOs just become so competitive now too. So I've been trying a bit of keyword stuff as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think of it as competitive. I think of it more as like it needs some research. I need to do some data research. I need to Mm -hmm. do some experimenting. It's all very slow, right? I mean, um, unless you're going for TikTok fame, like it it doesn't usually happen overnight. And even that is, you know, that's not a science. That's just winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really all about that consistency. And the only way to be consistent is to work within the marketing channels that you really love working in.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm, exactly. I'll get there one day. One day.
1: You are there. Mm. You're there right now. Allow yourself to because, live in that space.
0: Look, I've personally look. People will tell me, like in in uh, in they uh, like face to face. They like my work. See, I prefer the old fashioned way. The word of mouth is how well, I prefer.
1: I mean, it's just a matter of whether or not you want to grow.
0: Mm. um because okay, you can,
1: you can expedite the process and help more people. How about that?
0: Put it this way: before uh, social media was around, everything was done word of mouth. But social media
1: is here, and it's a very powerful tool.
0: Hmm. If you know how to use it right.
1: True, <laughs> but there is no right. There is no wrong. Look, it can be a very intuitive practice.
0: Look at when Insight Timer first started. I remember when Insight Timer was an app $5 a month, and that was just sitting on the App Store, That and I, they didn't market themselves. And look how much they've grown now with the whole live streaming and all that.
1: What year did they start, Stephen?
0: I th- look, I don't know when they started, but I came across it in 2018 uh-huh. is when I came across it. And I remember seeing.
1: I I think they started in 2016. So, yes, it can grow slowly. Mm. If you want it to happen faster, you got to get on social media.
0: Mm. Mm. Look, Morgan, thanks for coming on today's show.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for chatting with me, Stephen.
0: Uh, You're welcome. Um, Where can people find you on your social media?
1: I'm on Instagram at splendid.yoga. You can find me on Facebook. Go find my Facebook group. It's the Manage Your Money Yogically Facebook group. We talk a lot about digital marketing. It's all about how to create multiple income streams that build your wealth and save the world. Um, You can find me on Clubhouse at Splendid Yoga. You can find me on Insight Timer at Splendid Yoga. And you can go to my website, (laughs) splendid.yoga. Not com, splendid yoga. Mm. Come find me; I'd love to talk to you.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Uh, also, podcasts throughout every Friday as well. Turn on your notification. Subscribe. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcast. Share it on your social media. Bye for now.